Welcome to A Counselor's Journey to Private Practice. I'm your host, Juan, and this podcast teaches mental health professionals to cultivate curiosity and build ambition in their journey to starting, growing, and scaling a private practice. Let's dive into the episode. I noticed that your background, right, is in uh, mental health, clinical counseling, um, and then coaching, and then the social media growth. I presume that maybe you started with the mental health side first? I did. So my background, just like education-wise, I have a a bachelor's in psychology and a master's in social work. And I specialize in clinical practice. So that's how I started as far as like education-wise. Okay. Um, So I've been, actually, I've been in the field of mental health for a little over 10 years now. Okay. Congratulations, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I always loved, you know, learning about the brain, the mind, you know, how things work, how our thoughts work, behavior patterns. And, you know, so I developed a real strong passion for just wanted to know how or how to help people and how do we derive at certain decisions. And, you know, when we struggle with certain things like anxiety and trauma, depression, how can I help somebody? And really just also before I began to help, how do these things happen in the first place? Mm, Yeah. So you're like looking at those pivotal, like philosophical questions and digging into them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just always been a passion of mine since I was like younger. You know, how come certain people do certain things? How come this person is more prone to depression than this person or anxiety than this person? So I've always loved that. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you doing, you know, doing that and digging into it. I think sometimes it's those basic questions that can lead us like into a rabbit hole. But being Mm -hmm. able to take a step back and then find some kind of answer for it or some kind of structure to it. It can lead us to, you know, just not feeling as uh, negative or as anxious, if you will. And I'll also say, Juan, just, you know, being honest, like just going through my passion, like these are questions that I had since I was a little kid. And then when I was in high school, there really, really wasn't a psychology focused or major. So when I went to college, you know, I kind of delved right into that. Um, okay. Questions. Yeah. Okay. Well, we we would have got along then as kids, because <laughs> you know sometimes I, f- I find myself doing that too. I'd be like, you know, yeah. why am I thinking this way? And I have a lot of siblings. I'm like, I wonder if they're thinking like this. Right. Right. Just yeah. basic questions. I was always just kind of generally curious about, you know, how come this person chooses this profession, and how come this person is in this profession? They make a lot of money. This person does not make any money. This person switches professions every. Mm-hmm. two years or six months, you know, just the, the why. I was always just curious about that. Yeah, those, those are good questions there. Yeah. How, how did you bridge into the area of life coach? Uh, I, again, I love personal development. So before, even probably before psychology, um, I just love to like work on myself. I love to push myself. And I've always had coaches, even though they weren't necessarily coin coaches, I've had people in my life who've helped me get to where I've been to. So even before, you know, teachers, I've had family members, I've had barbers, I've had spiritual leaders who have served in the role of, you know, being my life coach, even though they didn't have that necessary term. Yeah. So I found out, oh, this is what this is called. This is a life coach. It just made me like, okay, this is what I want to do. And to be honest, man, I was already kind of like helping people in that facet. It just wasn't termed. Yeah. Life coach. 
but I've always wanted to, you know, push people just like I want to push myself and hold people accountable, help with the discipline, the focus, the consistency. And, you know, I've always been reading books about, you know, self-development, self-help books. So how, you know, being able to translate, again, something that's part of my own lifestyle into, you know, making an income and a profession and growing a career out of it, it's been amazing. And it doesn't feel like work because it's something that I would do you know, whether we were doing this interview or not. Um, I mean, just like right here, some of the books, Steve Harvey, mm-hmm. self-help books, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. Like these are things that are just part of my daily routine. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you a question as far as um, that structure for a life coach. Did you take like the traditional academia structure, you know, go and got your certification or did you utilize, you know, your mental health training to then leverage that into, I can fit this role as well? Both. I think that, um, so three different aspects stand out for me. One, of you know, having the clinical background, you know, from psychology, clinical social, that helped tremendously. Just like knowing people, because as a life coach, I'm still helping people solve their problems. Yeah. The the addition, you know, was was great about my experience is that sometimes people's problems spill over outside the realm of life coaching. And when that happens, I'm trained to either, you know, help them in a therapeutic manner or make a necessary referral to someone who can help them. So I think before you can be a coach, one, you need to have experience, but also have the education, too. So I can say, okay, look, this is a little bit outside of, you know, a life coaching scope. Um, secondly, I took a training with, uh, a couple of psychologists, Dr. Freeman and Dr. Smith in Cleveland, the Cleveland center for cognitive therapy. And during that training, it really helped me focus on not just the therapy side, but goal setting, okay. being able to set goals, whether or not, you know, you want to lose weight, whether you want to work on your anxiety, whether you want to save more money, make more money but being very intentional about how do you set these goals? How do you get clear on what the goal is? Sometimes we say we want something, but that's really not what we want. So the professor had us or instructor had us kind of like set our own small goals, right? Just for practice so we can learn how to do this. My goal was to stop eating cookies. (laughs) (laughs) So when she challenged me on it, she said, okay, Jason, um, you want to stop eating cookies, then what? It was, no, I wanted a six-pack. So even though I was saying I didn't want to eat cookies, the real thing was I wanted, you know, a a different physical makeup. So just that little tweak lets me know that, hey, sometimes the stuff that we say we want, is not what we really want. Maybe you don't want to quit your job, but you want more time with your family and friends. So having that type of training to identify how do you set these goals has helped uh, tremendously when it comes to being a life coach. And then lastly, I did pick up an actual certification from the Playbook Coaching and Speaking Program, uh, which helped me, again, even further my knowledge and expertise, but also have an actual certification for what I'm doing. Okay. 
Yeah, I was curious about that. Um, a lot of the audience here in a counselor's journey to private practice are mental health professionals, psychologists, psychotherapists, clinicians. And, you know, there's always that dance, you know, between mm-hmm. the mental health field, engaging in psychotherapy, or also known as counseling, uh, or, you know, becoming a life coach. Uh, and it still seems, as far as like my reading, that the life coach is up and coming, if you will. And there's uh, a gray line as far as, you know, do you need the certification or can you utilize your clinical background? Just make sure that you're doing exactly what you do, Jason, where it's, if we need a referral, let's do that. Let's get a referral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the thing is, people want results. Bottom, the yeah. bottom line, like, so I have a trainer, right? You know, a personal trainer you were talking about. I know he's been to school and I know he has tons of certifications. Have I asked him about those qualifications? No. I haven't because I've known him since high school. So 20 years. And he was like the fastest guy in high school. He was always fit. He went on to do, you know, great things. And when I'm working with him, he was able to get me from like 16% body fat to like 9% at one time. Mm. So those results were trans, you know, they were uh, evident. Yeah. When you're working with somebody as a life coach, people may not always ask you. And even as a therapist, like, in my early years, people will say, okay, where'd you go to school? But beyond that, they want to know, can you help them? Yeah. And it's on me to make sure I maintain uh, proper ethics and, again, make the necessary referrals. But it's always, what can you do and how can you help? Yeah. And people will know if you can't help them and, like, you know, not necessarily saying it's overnight, but if the things that you're talking about, and the the activities you're giving them, the, the the sessions, if they're not growing and changing in the way they want to, um, certification or not, you're not helping anybody. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think that there's, and it's probably what took place more like uh, during uh, academia or school. You know, you you look into all these modalities like CBT, EMDR, mm-hmm. but I think you know, just as people. You know, I I work with couples, you know, couples not sitting up at three in the morning going, you know what, my relationship (laughs) is at a breaking point. I need some EMDR or I need some of that good old CBT. They're like, no, I can't stand my husband right now. I want to slap him across the face, but I don't want to do that. I need someone that can get us from A to B. Like, so just average Joe. And then, you know, you're you're absolutely right. Being able to work with people, connect with them, but then show them that we're making some transformational changes here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what, you know, matters in the long run. Uh, I always say like it's half and half. You need 50% rapport, being able to relate and connect. Mm-hmm. But then you also need the professional background and the education to go along with it. Uh, having one, like if we can kick it and talk all day, that's not going to be helpful. And if I just give you a bunch of research and different modalities, but we don't connect, that's not helpful either. So you have to have that good mix. Yeah, I know you're right. You're right about that. Tell me, yeah. as, as far as like your growth, um, I've been uh, stalking you, if you will, <laughs> in a professional, ethical manner, of course. But I've been seeing that you've been doing a lot of live videos on Instagram. And I'm mm-hmm. always like, yeah, go him. Like, you know, yeah. put himself out there. And, and it's beautiful, too, because it's it's a free, like, pro bono advice. It's supportive. You know, you're helping people make strides and, and make moves. How's that going for you? And then what's the back end work that you do? Oh, man. So one, I I appreciate the support. And I'll say that I love one. I love the Instagram platform. It's easy to use. I know I'm streaming up here on Facebook now, but um, 
Instagram is easy, it's fun, it's engaging, it's interactive, it's a cool platform in general. And, and then meeting people, you know, meeting different therapists, different coaches, watching their growth, and mm. then us being able to have uh, free-flowing, engaging, fun conversations, answering people's questions, giving some free advice on different problems. I enjoyed that. Just like, you know, us having this dialogue here. It, I was more than happy to do this. On the back end, it's a lot of networking. It's a lot of connections. It's, it's a lot of um, following up. Hey, does this time work for you? Does it not? Making sure that we're a good fit because everybody that I collaborate with or could potentially collab with may not be a good fit. Like yeah. my audience and their audience may not connect. Um, but I, I do enjoy it. I think it gives a lot of flavor. As you said, you specialize with couples. So, you know, having somebody that we can kind of compliment each other, right? Yeah. And I think our audience loves that. They love seeing diversity. They like to see, you know, they don't always want to just hear me. Yeah. Just like if I'm following somebody, I don't always want to just hear mm. them. Yeah. And it takes a certain level of professionalism to show up. Like I said, you know, with, with us having this interview today, I was still, even though we had not spoken, I was still prepared and ready to go. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, what separates, you know, us from certain individuals. The, the level of professionalism, the fact that we're doing this because we love doing it, yeah. and then people get the benefit of, you know, our knowledge that we've worked and, you know, studied years for, they can take 30, 45 minutes out of their day and absorb all that, that free info. Yeah. Yeah. How do you prep for some of the videos that you do? Like if you're doing an anxiety one or motivation. Um, so different times I've, I've prepped in different ways. So there's been some times where I've just like, Hey, I got something on my heart. Let's put on the camera. Let's go. Other times I may ask people for questions. Hey, what do y'all want to hear? What are some things that you want to know about? I found that, you know, I've been live consistently over the past mm, little bit over a year same time, Tuesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern. And what I found is some topics, people aren't always going to be willing to ask questions and engage about. They'll listen. But if we're talking about trauma, divorce, um, self-esteem issues, when you type that question or you come on live with me, you have to put yourself out there. Yeah. So what I found out is that, hey, let me ask solicit questions beforehand, too. So that way, if Juan has a question, Juan doesn't have to type it in here and everybody knows, oh, this is Juan who asked this question. Yeah. You send it to me beforehand and I'll write that down and then I'll still answer it so everybody can hear it, but everybody doesn't have to know that Juan asked the question. I like that. Yeah. That way you're not only protecting me, but, you know, it's a vulnerable position to put me in, but you're still giving me that feedback, that help I'm looking for. Yes. Um, And then there's also times where I do have outlines where I know if I'm talking about anxiety, for instance, I want to cover five different aspects. So I don't necessarily have a script because I want it to be natural. Yeah. That's the whole thing about, you know, live is natural, it's easy. Uh, Well, I won't say it's easy, but it is natural. And I think more practice that you get with it, the better that you'll be able to answer the questions because it's not like, us as trained clinicians can't answer the questions. But when sometimes when people are asking you questions on the spot and you have to give an answer like pretty quickly, um, 
you either know it or you don't, or you can mm-hmm. articulate it or you can't. And that's why I like to do this because it gives people the sense of saying, hey, Jason's real. There's some questions that I, I don't know and I won't have the answers to, but I'll get it back to you. Yep. And, you know, we can just kind of build that connection and rapport. Yeah. I think that realness goes a long way. And it shows that you're a helper too. You know, I, I go visit oh, yeah. my doctor and I'll throw some shit out there. And they're like, look, man, I don't know, but let me go, let me go check the computer real quick. But right. I appreciate that because it's authentic, it's genuine. Um, and just like you said, you know, once you get to work with people, I'll get patients, clients that would say, hey, mm-hmm. you know, I like that, you know, you're, you're, I, I can tell who you are. You know, right. you're not a blank slate, if you will. Yeah, letting, just letting yourself come out, letting your, um, your personality show. And I'm generally, you know, I'm a laid back person. So I'm not going to come on live like, you know, super hype, super, you know, crunk. Um, yeah. But I'm but I'm going to be me. Yeah. And that's when people can kind of appreciate that. Like, just be yourself, because when you try to be somebody who you're not, now you start to put in work. Now you're working on top of work. Yeah. And that's no fun. You burn out super quick. That's a good point you shared there. I was um at, at times I'll do uh, consul- con- consultations. I always have a hard time pronouncing that by the <laughs> Spanish in me. And yeah. I'll, I'll share that with different clinicians. You know, whenever you're doing live, when you're putting yourself out there, work to be you. But then there's always like this comment of, well, what about being professional and making sure that I have everything right? How yeah. did you push past that, Jason? Um, man, so for instance, like the live aspect, I used to want things to be right. I'm not even going to yeah. lie to you. I wanted, like, I didn't want, uh, I wanted the, the, the setting to be right. I wanted the, you know, the connection to be good. It just doesn't, it doesn't always happen. Like sometimes <laughs> my dog will be barking. Yeah. Um, sometimes my battery may be low. I mean, that's kind of rare, but that'll happen or the connection will be poor and I have to start it back up. It is what it is. And I think just kind of like, doing it, letting it happen. I remember one time, this was, a, um, I was doing a series on trusting yourself. I don't know if you were following me at that time where I was going live with different, had different guests coming on each day. And I didn't have my iPhone. I, I like the iPhone. Now I have uh, my Android. And I had too much uh, videos. It was too much on the phone. Like, So when I went live, the phone just kind of like shut it shut down. Mm. It was just too much. It shut down. So I went live for like five minutes, right, with um, Dr. Ebony. So unbeknownst to all the viewers, I restarted the live. We went live on Instagram. But in the background, we had went live on Facebook for about three minutes before, before my phone shut down. So throughout the whole entire live, because my phone had some type of glitch, I'm hearing our back. Our, our little brief convo in the yeah. background. So I'm talking to her. She can't hear me. And, and of course the audience couldn't hear, but the whole 50 minutes to an hour, I'm having to listen to another conversation. So that was, that was tricky, but it was like, man, you got to do it. Cause I didn't want to keep restarting the live, but that was, yeah. that was, uh, that was interesting. That was good, man. That's a good vulnerable moment. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, it was, it was frustrating though. Cause I was concentrating to what she was saying while also hearing a whole another conversation over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. You know, hearing that 
I think sometimes that helps us know that we don't have to have all our ducks in a row to get started. You know, we, we grow and learn and five years from now we'll be more effective. And then five years from then we'll be more effective. Yeah. My first live was like, uh, 30 seconds to a minute. You know, I was like, Hey, what's going on? Oh, all right. Nobody's here. See you. Yeah. (laughs) It was like that. And, then I remember my first live, I collaborated with somebody and I was on the, I think my wife and I were going to Charlotte maybe. And we had not re ran into traffic or something. So we didn't get to the hotel to set up. So literally we pulled over to like a dollar store parking lot. I had okay service. Cause I, you know, I'm in like, it was in like a rural area and we just did the live from there. And, yeah. and it was still good. Like the, the fact is, teaching moment. It's, it's a lie. It's, it's not a planned production or sometimes it is, sometimes it's not, but the content and the information that I share, you know, being in the car was no different than if I would have been at the hotel room. Yeah. It's, it's no different. You know, as long as I have good connection, that's most important. I try to have good lighting, but the most important thing that I've noticed from different, um, professionals that I've watched is that you want to give the information Mm -hmm. like people always don't care if you're in an airport people don't care if you know you're outside in your backyard are you answering the questions and giving them the content that they are coming to your page or platform for if you do that the rest is good yeah you're absolutely right content right (laughs) I mean take for instance the NBA and NFL we're watching these games nobody's in the stands, Mm-mm. but we're watching the TV the same way we would last, like if it was last year, or if it was packed out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I applaud them for doing that. So as long as they show up and give us what we need, which is competitive sports, we're watching it. Mm. You, you started uh, this conversation with goals. You know, you're sharing how you went to that center and then it focused on, you know, you had the goal of cookies um, oh, yeah, t- yeah. Tell me, what, what do the next, you know, one to five years look like for you as far as growth and the goals you have for yourself outlined? Um, one, continuing to grow my my social media presence, you know, getting the message out to more people, but also expanding my online coaching program. So I don't talk about that as much. You know, I, people know I see people one on one, but I also have a group coaching format that I'm going to expand as well. Um, another goal is a podcast, you know, having a setup like yourself. I, I love the mic, um, and everything, yeah. but also, you know, being able to reach more people, but in a different area. I like those. Tell me about the group coaching. I, I got questions on all of them. Yeah. So what does that group coaching look like? Yeah. So we meet weekly, uh, so Wednesdays for about an hour and a half, seven to eight thirty, and we discuss various topics. So like goal setting, that's one you know, how to set goals, how to assess yourself on where you're at with your goals, how to set boundaries, boundaries in relationships and also professional boundaries. So each week there's different topics. Okay. So usually we start off with like an intro, you know, seeing how everybody's doing. Yeah. And I'll check in on like the homework because I'm always big on like some progress outside of what we do, just kind of talking. And then it's so a structure I'll kind of go over the topic of the that week. And then the last 30 minutes is just a free-flowing Q&A. 
Okay. It's, it's really, uh, it's one of the highlights of my week. I do enjoy the, the group members. We kind of dive into things because it's more intimate and personal than, you know, just me being here on Facebook or IG. Yeah. Um, and then the group gets a chance to support each other, uh, big up each other, whether they get married, having babies, start businesses, um, changing jobs. I mean, so it's a supportive community. Okay. I like that. Yeah. And do you, are you doing that right now with COVID uh, virtually face-to-face? Oh yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's virtual because people are from all over, you know, Texas, Florida. Oh, nice. Good audience. York. Yeah. So a lot of people that I work with are like all over the country. So sometimes and it's, it's made me sharper to know different time zones too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause before, you know, it's like everything was Eastern, but no, we got Pacific central, all of that. Yeah, I've I've been there. I had a couple of funny stories on being off in those time zones. Yeah, and even you know I've worked with people outside of the country too. When that gets real tricky, because I'm like, okay, five p.m. your time, it's one p.m. You know, it's yeah. real hectic. Well, cool, man. I mean, I'm I'm happy for you. I'm excited to see what you continue to do, uh, and I love that you know you get on there and you're helping people. Uh, with, you know, almost like no strings attached, you know, just dive in, you got some free time, check Jason out. Um, yeah. Everyone out here that's listening, how can they connect with you? Uh, well, a couple ways. One, Instagram and Facebook at jphillipsmsw, J-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S-M-S-W. And then my website, pnpcoach.com. That's for peace and prosperity. But it's just the letters PNPcoach.com. Okay, uh, perfect. One other goal, too, is I didn't have an announcement yet, but um, I've just been – I'm honored to be an advisory team member on the North Carolina Raleigh Capitals men's professional basketball team. So I'm the director of player professional development. Oh, man. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm excited because, you know, basketball is uh, is a passion for me. So to be able to be a part of an organization, a professional organization in that yeah. platform and that, you know, that space. Uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. Well, good. Yeah, that speaks volume for, you know, the work that you're doing, the work that you've done and, you know, where life will continue to take you. Hey, Juan, I appreciate this conversation, bro. It's, um, it's fun. Yeah, I appreciate it, too. I hope that you continue to do well. In your journey of private practice, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Please leave an awesome review and share this podcast with any counselor you think is working towards starting, growing, and scaling a counseling practice. Let's grow together in our journey. I'll see you in the next episode.